You are listening to the Gimme 5 Podcast, episode 148, side B. Nipples. Nippolence. Nippolence. It's a bit nipply. Napoleon. is the Gimme 5 podcast, a bi-weekly podcast reviewing the things you loved today and the stuff you loved yesterday. And this week, we've got two things that you loved yesterday. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And Greg's testicles. That's they did love three that. things. <laughs> that is, see? <laughs> and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Well, it my used to be. Name, now it's only two. It, my <laughs> name is Rufus, and I am joined by the Marquis de Rob. <laughs> Be excellent to each other. And Jimmy Rasputin. Ra, ra, Rasputin, lover of the <laughs> Russian queen. I knew he was going to do that. That's why I gave him that historical name. I'm excited. We also uh, we are going to talk about these movies. That's we are also going to answer our Gimme 5 question of the week. And we've got some craziness going on there. Uh, we'll see if it works out. Bonkers, as well. man. Yeah. All over the place. Shit has just gone weird. So let's just yep. get right into this, Rob. Tell people about spoilers. Guys, this is a review show. These movies are from the 80s and 90s. If you haven't seen them by now, tough shit. We're going to talk about them. Probably going to spoil a bunch of shit. Maybe you want to watch them. Maybe you just want to hear us you talk should. about them. Either way. Or that. We're going to spoil some shit. Yep. Yep. No so as- apologies. Yep. So we're going to get right into this thing where we are. We're getting right into this. We're going to. That's what And I've got my own Bill and Ted, Jimmy and Rob, and you guys are going to do some Bill and Ted trivia. Oh, God. All right. Let's play pool. I win. Damn it. Yeah, you win. I tried. No, I actually tried to be nice. Tell me the cat. To Rob. I did try to be a little nice to Rob on this because I didn't. You're nailing all the rock and roll references recently. That is true. Give me that shit. I'm nailing rock and wait, what? I didn't want to get into like Faith No More references because it's just not fair. So let's go. We're going to Bill and Ted trivia here. You guys can play along at home. Question number one. Oh man, right into it. Here we go. In the Bill and Ted phone booth, what key is missing from a regular phone? Pound time. Rob got it. It was replaced with the infinity key. Yep, yep. Rob, what is question number two? What is it replaced with? The infinity key. There you go, you son of a bitch. Shit! (laughs) (laughs) I can't even be mad at that. Yeah, okay. Rob's got two points because he he spoke. Because I remember the layout of a freaking payphone. (laughs) That's true. I'm so old. (laughs) Now I need you guys to channel your inner Bill and Ted. Okay? Okay. And I want you to give me the wrong answers to these questions, as if you were Bill and Ted. Okay. Who is Joan of Arc? Your mom. Noah's wife? Rob is crushing it. Who had wooden teeth and chased Moby Dick? 
George Washington. There we go. That's Captain Ahab, dude. Uh, <laughs> what about Julius Caesar? He uh, salad. Yeah, salad dressing dude. Salad dressing dude. Yeah, salad dressing dude. Uh, who is the short dead dude? Napoleon. Napoleon. Oh, you guys both got that one. Excellent. Who was Ted speaking to when he said, "All we are is dust in the wind." Socrates. Oh, you guys are on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What is the name of the water park where Bill and Ted found Napoleon after Deacon ditched him? Waterloo. Oh, (laughs) shit. (laughs) Oh, man. Yes. Genghis Khan's favorite modern food. Twinkies. Yes. Yes. Damn. Jumping to Bogus Journey. In Bogus Journey, there are f- there are multiple pairs of Bill and Ted's. How many are there, and what are they? One, two, two. three. So there are two pairs. No, wait, three. There's three, four if you count the future selves that come back at the end. You're close. Three. Well, five if you count the ghosts. There are five. All right, nice. There is Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's a bunch, actually. There's Bill and, there, you might actually have more than I had. Bill and Ted, evil robot Bill and Ted. Good mm-hmm. robot Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. That's where I stopped. Yeah. There is young Bill and Ted in hell. And, oh, yeah. the, and the ghosts. Although you could also technically count little Bill and Ted because of their son. They are sons. So they're tech- I wrote down five, but you pointed out the ghosts. So it might actually be six. And then Bill and Ted from the future. Either yeah. way, Rob is correct. Yeah. So, what was the original working title of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? Bill and Ted Go to Hell. You got it. Boom! What did- I was just guess, too. <laughs> What was the challenge with death? A parody of what movie? Is a movie that we referenced just last week. War Games? Mm. No. Fuck. Clue. Well, it they, was they Clue. S- no, it was. A, what was it? A par- What was that whole sequence a parody of? It is the Seventh Seal. We referenced it last week because we of, yeah, because of uh, what's his face was in it. Um, uh, Ming the Merciless was in it. Mm. <laughs> they play he. That's what it's about: getting out of hell. Uh, yeah. What games did Bill and Ted play to return to life? Battleship, Clue, Clue. Twister, and there was one more, wasn't there? I think that's it. All I saw was Battleship Clue and Twister. No, so. because they got to best five out of nine. No. Hopscotch? Did they do Hopscotch? No, they were doing... Death was doing Hopscotch in three when they found him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and he's cheating! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just had Battleship Clue and Twister, so we'll go with that. Okay. Uh, okay. The Grim Reaper has a stage quote um, as uh, his 
Okay, you so might be a king or just a sweet street sweeper, but sooner or later, you dance with the reaper. Yes. Someone took those words and used them as their final words just a year later. Do you know who that was? This is a tough one. This is like the extra credit bonus one. Was it somebody famous? Uh, serial killer famous. Serial killer famous. A serial killer said that. Bundy? Uh, I don't know if you want. Well, it was his name was Robert Alton Harris. He actually said it before going to the gas chamber. Uh, he, and he fucked it up. Oh, my God. Yeah. You can be a king or a street sweeper, but everybody dances with the Grim Reaper. He said, I actually have. He clearly pulled it from this. Um, cause it was, like I said, one year later, but I have no idea how he would know that. Cause obviously he was in prison for that. He, uh, he was a common street thug that was robbing convenience stores, but he killed two teenagers and was put to death. If you ever see one of those, there's a photographer that takes a picture that takes pictures of like people's last meals, like stages them. And if you see the one that's like a shit ton of fried chicken, that's him. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I've seen those. Those are fascinating. <laughs> Yeah, so he, he he like got like a ton of it's like a shit ton of, fa- of fried chicken and like a package of Marlboros. So there was your Bill and Ted trivia. You guys can bone up on that out there before seeing Bill you and Ted Part dumb. Three. That's what she said. Yeah. So let's get right into the movie here. We did our trivia, and now we are going to talk about Bill and Ted. Excellent adventure. Yes. Which and was released on February 17th, 1989, two days after I turned five. Movie was directed by Stephen Herrick. It stars Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, George Carlin. C.A. Arlen, apparently. George mm. California Arlen. George Carlin. And uh, a few other people as well some cameos in there as well uh my favorite is les claypool of the band primus the synopsis of the film if you've not seen it if you've been living under a rock or if you were born yesterday two seemingly dumb teens set off on a quest to prepare the ultimate historical presentation with the help of a time machine guys what do you remember about this film from the first time you saw it? I did not see this in the theater. Surprising. I think yeah. I did. Um, I so definitely did not. I knew a lot about this movie before I saw it because of some of my friends seeing it in the theater and talking about it all the time. And then we rented it. Yep. Same here. I very much remember the mall chase scene. I remember it. I mean, this is, I didn't mm-hmm. just watch it again for this. I, watch it a bunch of times like it's i've yeah. seen this movie a ton of times um but i the thing that really stuck out was the the mall chase scene and like the end sequence overall yeah i i remember the mall chase scene i remember the the end sequence the report basically i also remembered um napoleon at the ice cream store or at the ice cream yes. restaurant or whatever yeah uh, yeah I remembered that when oh, uh, she goes for that bite and he like slams a spoon down yep. on top of her. <laughs> I was like, Oh shit. Yep. I remembered that part. And <laughs> then I also remembered the, um, the trip to medieval England, the whole put them in the iron maiden. 
Excellent. Excellent. And the and the whole you killed dead, you medieval dickweed. <laughs> yes. I feel like if Rob got his hands on a time machine phone booth, he actually would go to medieval England to try to kidnap some princesses. It's entirely possible. Oh, Jesus, that's twisted. That, um, absolutely that may happen. be a thing that would happen. People would be like, you can't do that. It's going to change the entire world. I don't care. <laughs> he would I, just have uh, a, a sack over his shoulder full of princesses as yeah. he ran back to the phone booth. <laughs> Tiny princesses, apparently. Yes. Uh, <laughs> like fucking Santa Claus and shit. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, the Grinch. Uh, <laughs> I, too, knew more about this movie uh, before seeing it. Brother was five years older than me. He was a metalhead. Um, a, a lot of people. I remember a lot of people seemingly um, took on the the personalities of a of a Bill and Ted. I remember seeing Beavis and Butthead and going, "There would be no Beavis and Butthead without Bill and Ted." Beavis um, and Butthead essentially, to me, seemed like a Bill and Ted ripoff. Yeah, yeah a bit. Uh, you know, a little more updated, well, I guess, but Bill uh, and Ted, Wayne's World, Beavis and Butthead, Jay and oh, Silent Bob, yep. all the duos, mm-hmm. the, all the, the, the metalhead duos, the, yeah, the, duos. the dumber kind of, you know, uh, metalhead created this, um, I guess, the stereotype of metalheads and uh, the two lovable losers, the two lovable us- losers being kind of dumb. You know, they weren't exactly the the skateboarding or surfer types. They they felt some somewhere kind of outside of that. They were just kind of the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know the ones that kind of doinked around and and dreamed about rock stardom, uh, but they didn't really have any talent uh, yeah. to speak of. But uh, yeah, man, I, uh, watching this again, uh, a great uh, a great trip uh, mm-hmm. back in time. Yes. Now so, I want. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do this thing here where we talk about the plot because everyone that has seen it, everyone that is going to see it has seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, we we assume that everyone out there who's listening to this has seen it. But there's a lot of history to this movie, no pun intended there, that I found very interesting that I kind of learned in just doing research for this. Um, mm-hmm. Bill and Ted were created by uh, two writers, Chris, Math- Chris Matheson, uh, mm-hmm. son of Richard Matheson, of course, and Ed Sullivan. Um, no in shit. 19- the yep. Ed Sullivan? Ed Solomon. Oh, I totally thought you said Ed Sullivan. I was no. like, what? I, I thought, thought he was like dead or something. I no, don't no. know. Uh, Matheson, Solomon. of course, wrote I Am Legend, wrote, um, uh, I know this is his son we're talking about, but Hell House, uh, God, uh, What Dreams May Come, so many just amazing. I mean, Omega Band, which is the, basically I Am Legend, but yeah, 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 that's that's right. Um, what a writing family that is! Yeah, so they created this in 1983 when they were just workshopping. You hear a lot about people doing workshopping in like comedy clubs and stuff, mm-hmm. and it was just these. It was a, the joke was two people that know nothing about history that were learning about history. Mm-hmm. That was it, you know, and they were and everything. I guess what they eventually did was they, the characters, they liked being the characters, which is probably why you can tell there's a little bit of love for the characters. They, they don't let them do anything too evil other than when it's, they're being, you know, someone's pretending to be them. But then they, they did some stuff at UCLA where they were, they did like a Q and a session 
with a bunch of people as the characters and everything was either excellent or bogus and they kind of had fun with it. Um, so then they started writing the movie and they were writing a skit movie, which was supposed to like, and Bill and Ted was supposed to be like a skit, like, uh, what are some of the skit movies, a Kentucky fried movie, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. They were writing that. And, uh, Chris Matheson showed it to Richard Matheson, who obviously has some experience doing this. And he was like, no, your movie is right here. It's these guys. Um, it's might better. know what he's talking about. Yeah, and, you like, might want to take some advice. Maybe. Yeah, and you know, you you. The good thing is, is that you know he respected his father and wasn't like, I want to work. You know, I I want to branch out on my own. No, Dad, actually, I'll show yeah. you. F you, I know what I'm doing. And it you know became what it was. They were like, this this is stronger than anything else you have, which I thought was really interesting. They didn't. They, of course, wrote the movie. It went through casting and all that stuff. They, of course, are just writers, so they usually are pretty hands-off. And they got to the set to see what the movie was you know, going to be like. And they're like, there's no way these, they're going to be able to cast these two people. Like, it should just be us. Oh, they, yeah. And, <laughs> and they're sitting at McDonald's, and there's these two dudes, like, basically being Bill and Ted. And they're like, man, they should have hired these guys. And they get they go back to the set after eating, and it turns yep. out that it was those guys. It was <laughs> Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. Um, so, really, kind of a cool little story. Um, and just watching the movie again, mm-hmm. it just it I was taken with how much it looked like an independent movie. Like it was a very simply made movie. Yeah, and I just, yeah, I and, get that. Uh, I I understand that, um, but also at, at the same time, it's it, it it's really shot by people who just had a good sense of film. I think it was well edited. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it felt like an independent movie. Um, and maybe maybe I'm just. I'm just misinformed, but I mean, I feel like independent movies really kind of more rely on stuff that's already set up or established as far as their sets and setting and stuff like that. Um, whereas this one actually had, um, built movie scenes like the old West where they found Billy the kid, they had the saloon, you know, they had the, uh, the Greek pantheon where they got Socrates. Um, so they, they actually had some, some decent sets that they were working with and whatnot. So I, I mean, I, I feel like there was probably a little bit more to this movie than an independent, than an independent movie, as far as the aesthetic is concerned. I guess so. I mean, I look at independent as one step above student film and so I, student film. Definitely. They were just going to film it. You know, I feel like this was like two steps above it. Maybe. Yeah. I just felt, I'm not saying anything bad about independent film. It just, it, there's something like I looked at it and I was like, wow, this looks so much different than I remembered it looking, even though mm-hmm. I had just seen it a couple of years ago and not in a bad way. It was just, it was, it made me like it more in a way. Uh, I, I was going to talk about this part later, but one of the, the listeners, uh, Kerwin actually, I think pointed out the differences in the two soundtrack albums from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey. Yeah. And it was funny yep. that he said that because I, I remember hearing the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure soundtrack in the past, but since we got Spotify and all this stuff where we could listen to anything at any time, I had not done it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh shit. So I was driving home from, I think my kid's haircut or something last week. And I'm like, I'm listening to that because I know it didn't have swear words. I could do it. And I'm like looking at the thing and I'm like, 
Vital Signs, Glenn Burtnick, Shark Island. Like these are the bands around. Glenn big, big. Burtnick. <laughs> Robbie Rob, Power Tool. Like Power Tool sounds like the name of a band that would be made up for a movie. Yeah. Uh, Robbie only- Rob sounds like my band name. <laughs> <laughs> Like a nickname that your mom would have for you or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only two bands I had heard of were Tora Tora and Extreme. Tora Tora was actually the first heavy metal band I, well, metal band I ever met because they're the nephew of the guitarist lived next door to me where I grew up. And we got to see uh, Tora Tora and I think it was Joe Satriani uh, play at uh, some little thing and Tora Tora played. And then I was re- all ready to see Joe Satriani and the kids' parents made us go home. Oh. God damn it. I know. So I've still never seen yeah, Joe Satriani. Okay. Uh, and Extreme, of course, before they broke out big, but it was just, and then I'll talk about the soundtrack for Bogus Journey later, but like much bigger bands on that one. So very clearly they w- this went from, yeah, this movie's not going to do crap. Let's not spend any money on music to, oh, okay. Wow. That first one was a big hit. Let's do this. Um, what? Uh, let's see. What? Uh, what parts of this movie did you find like still funny, or was there anything that like didn't age well, or is anything that aged better? I don't know that there was anything that actually didn't age well because a lot of the comedy that they did was further back in history than when it actually was made you know what i mean it was more of a it was more of a joke on stuff that happened in history or with history so it actually it actually still worked so to speak it didn't rely on the current reference of the time yeah i i think rob makes a very good point there um and it's it's so funny seeing these historical moments mixed in with these kind of kind of dumb dudes uh influencing history in a way, I, I think one of the funniest parts for me was when um, they're quoting Kansas to Socrates. <laughs> and he All says, we are is dust, dust in, in the wind. wind. And he he's like, huh? And he picks it up and he the the dust or the, the sand blows through his hand. And that's the, the foundation of Socrates, you know, Socratic thought. You know, just like yeah. these two dumb, like not even stoners, because they 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 were very clean. The the humor in this movie is very clean. It's, mm-hmm. it's another it's thing. PG. Yeah, it's that's another thing that like you have characters like this. You know, now they're they're burnouts. You know, uh, every every dollar they make is going towards you know they're we, drinking all the time. Or- yeah. And, but I, I just that for me was like, all right, this is they're, they're kind of dumb, but this is a smart movie. It's working. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't know. Not, I, I, I found this thoroughly enjoyable again. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I think the movie ages very well. I, I, I um, would agree. It, even even if you're not familiar with the late 80s, early 90s, I don't I honestly don't really think it matters because that doesn't carry too much context in the movie it's it's all it's all related to these dumb kids and how they associate with history yeah mm-hmm. and, and even when they they mispronounce you know they say socrates or socrates. or you know Genghis khan it is debatable whether it's Genghis <laughs> or Genghis, but um that kind of or you know we all know his first name is bob 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 khan yeah. uh bob Genghis khan bob Genghis khan 
when he's on the I mean he's on a vision skateboard but even those are kind of making a that that yeah. that shape of skateboard is I see people on those and I'm like holy shit have y'all even seen Bill and Ted um, do you even know who they are yeah so um, man no age well it's funny, the malls. That, yeah right yeah the the part that I thought aged fun got funnier for me was anything involving Missy, like the Missy mom thing. Like I don't know if I have any friends that are in that situation, but I know I've 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 funny. Got a minor Oedipal complex. <laughs> yeah, like just anything involving that, like this the constant Missy mom thing or the constant like you know and and nobody the little even... jokes about like oh she was a senior when you were a freshman. Shut up, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that part because it like it was it I'm was seeing a, it from a different perspective now. Yeah. You're like, dude, that's kind of hot. And now you're looking at it and going, that's weird. Yeah, uh, that's exactly why. That's it, that that was such a, a almost like a grounding running gag throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh which is weird to say, but uh, and everyone was so chill about it too, which is great. And, and the other yeah. thing is, is for for a guy who's like pretty much a complete doofus, nobody batted an eye when he knew exactly what an Oedipal complex was. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I just got a minor Oedipal complex. What? <laughs> yeah, the that was one thing. Really, honestly, the only time that I was like, "Whoa," was the and it's just jarring because you don't hear that word very much. Is when they hug each other and then it's like fag. Oh yeah, and it was like whoa. Yeah, but like it was it that was, was actually in one and two. Yeah, yeah it was it just was. a different time, not in three, and for obvious reasons, you know, it's uh, we all different, different type of humor, and I, it's one of those things again. To, I I do get annoyed when people go back in time to be offended by stuff. Yeah, and and put today's standards on stuff that happened that was happening then. Yeah, like if they did it in the new movie, okay, but oh no, just yeah, different world. Yeah, different world. Mm-hmm. Um. The, I, uh, the, you know, the time machine, we kind of take it for granted because we've seen it a million times. Kind of clever. <laughs> of course, reference uh, a little bit of Doctor Who. And I, I believe that the time machine was supposed to be a van. But because of Back to the Future and a couple other things, they decided not to do a van. Yeah. Good choice. Uh, I like the phone booth. Yeah, the phone booth works remarkably well. Um the apparently they did find out who has the original time machine. Um, a guy named Kenneth Grayson. And do you know how he got the original time machine? Did you guys find that little bit of trivia? Um, Auction? no, he stole was it. Was it left somewhere? No, it was a Nintendo Power Magazine giveaway. Oh, oh that's shit. awesome. That's when, amazing. When I that's why, like, I wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't that they. So it, they when the Bill and Ted game came out, which I totally forgot about, and I kind of want to play, uh, they gave away the original phone booth and a guy named Kenneth Grayson. He still has it. They did track him down on Reddit, of course, uh, and did a ask me anything with him. And basically the whole time was Reddit people asking him how many times he's had sex in the phone booth. Of course. Yeah. Which was how many? Yeah. I did not what see was that answer. answer? <laughs> All of the times. So he's never not had sex in the phone He's book. like, so. <laughs> yeah. Come back to my place. Yeah. See that? That's mine. I'm willing to have sex with uh, Kenneth Grayson in the phone booth. I'm just saying. Sure you would anywhere else. 
<laughs> also, and also anywhere else. Yeah. Um, good looking man, that Kenneth Grayson. Yeah. Uh, let's see the 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 movie itself. You know, it, it has a fun little closing, and you guys out there, it's you know basically they the whole story is Bill and Ted. If they fail, we haven't even talked about any of the stuff. But if they fail in their quest to become a band, if the band gets broken up, they're not going to unify the world. So George Carlin, rest in peace, goes back in time. They decide to take the uh, phone booth around and basically pick up some historical figures and bring them back. And they end up doing a presentation at the school, which I think is actually funny because that presentation for something that was just thrown together has like lighting. Yeah. And and it was very well written. And it was yeah, very well written, has podiums and like, you know, you've got Abraham Lincoln and Genghis Khan and Sigmund Freud. Billy the Kid. I'm pretty sure that most of us passed history because of this movie. Because we probably was, know. What was the name of the sporting goods store that Genghis Khan destroyed? I was, that was actually going to be one of my trivia questions. But I, it has a U in it. I know that. I don't remember. What is it? What is it? Cushman Sporting Goods. Yeah. What he said. Mm. Yeah. I like how he's weighing the bats in that scene. Um, so, yeah, it just and the movie was uh, it almost didn't come out. You know, it uh, uh, what the uh, company that held the rights to it ran into some financial trouble. I believe actually the company that held the rights to it might have run into financial trouble because of uh, freaking Flash Gordon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the De Laurentiis group. Uh, hit financial trouble, sell the project for a year. And that was one of the ones that they actually had some faith in. Uh, they sold it for a million dollars to this other company that f- to basically finish it up. And then it got um, released. And so basically they got the rights for $1 million and the movie made $40 million in the theater, not to mention video rights and everything else. So, you know, it did well. And, uh, and of course it led to, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Not as good of a movie. Uh, uh, not, yeah. Not not as great. Um, still enjoyable. Uh, in in my opinion. Uh, dude, I, so, all right, if, if we're talking initial thoughts or, or what we remember or anything. Well, let's, let's do the uh, release date. So a couple years later, seven, uh, July 19th, 1991, mm-hmm. directed by Peter Hewitt, starring Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, William Sadler, Pam Greer, which I forgot about. Mm-hmm. Uh, George that, Carlin, not directed by Dead Parrot or whatever. No. <laughs> not directed by Dead Parrot. <laughs> you guys won't hear this, but on the previous episode, we uh, there was a, a typo me or for something. Some shit I didn't do because you usually do it. I, <laughs> I was like, that was a weird one. Anyway, Jim Martin of Faith No More fame, and I'm gonna have to go ahead and mention Taj Mahal because he is one of my favorite blues guitarists. Uh, so. And a tyrant from the future creates an evil android doubles of Bill and Ted and sends them back to eliminate the originals. And there's a lot more that goes on there. So let's go with the initial thoughts. Uh, I, I did not remember this movie as well. I did not remember this movie being as big as the first one. It wasn't. Yeah, I. I. Uh, I yeah. Um, kind of forgettable. Yeah. Um, very obviously made in the nineties with the whole yeah. um a- with the whole future wardrobe or whatever that's made out of like foam and shit. I'm oh, like, yeah. what is they look like, like this? Oil. Yeah. This is stupid as shit. Who the hell is the costume designer? This is oh whatever. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty rough. Like they picked 
they picked that to go forward into the future with. Um, the the best part of this movie, in my opinion, is when evil Bill and Ted were being evil, which wasn't that evil. Well, they were actively well, trying harassing to kill the harassing the girlfriends, the princesses was. That was a little rough, but when they aiming for cats on the road, anytime they saw them. Yeah. Uh, But when they were like breaking stuff or destroying things, that was, uh, Mm -hmm. yep. I, I'm going to go ahead and tell this movie has one major memory for me. Um, and the younger listeners out there will not do it. Enjoy. will not be able to understand this, but most of the time when an album came out, you heard a song and then you either heard you heard the rest of the album by buying it or maybe listening to it on the listening station and you had no idea it was coming. And one of the very weird, rare treats was you knew that the date an album was supposed to come out and you would happen to go into the CD store and they would have accidentally put it out early for me. And I, that happened with me for, with uh, Symphony of Destruction by Megadeth. And it happened to me with this album. <laughs> so I went. Nice. So the, I don't think this, I think the soundtrack was supposed to come out either before or after the, I don't know exactly the history, but I went to the mall. I ended up buying, seeing the album. I was like, Oh crap. So I bought it at the Boynton beach mall. Rob. Nice. Uh, and there was that side of it. And there, there was a girl and I know and, um, that weekend, I guess MTV was doing a history of Bill and Ted's bogus journey thing, like summer party with some of the bands and stuff and whatever. I was at a friend's house. I won't say who. And there was a girl there that I liked and my friend liked her and they were joking around and they put a couch cushion on me as I was watching the video from this movie for slaughter, uh, the slaughter song. And they were leaning on the couch cushion, making out, and I was, and I wanted to be anywhere but there. So, like the first, like I don't care now, but the first thing that goes through my mind whenever I hear that one slaughter song is how annoying it was to have a freaking couch cushion leaning on my like side as they were as they were making out. So, and now I will murder them. Murder them? Yeah, no. You should. I, I should. And then wear their skin. It's a different and, movie. And then the take fuck Buffalo Bill. And then take their place in their families. And get my revenge. No, not a big deal. But it was just it's just the one Damn, thing. That, like, great. Is, I know. I know. It just got dark as hell. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome, I guess. <laughs> I don't, I don't. No, you, you shocked me because I, I had uh, tuned out a little bit because I'm I'm playing the uh, Bill and Ted's excellent video game adventure on NES. Oh. Right now. And I will link that um, online. So you guys can uh, not win a excellent phone booth. Nice, but yeah, I will. I will definitely link this uh, through our page. Yeah. So. so that that was my initial thing. Um, the the overall movie itself, pretty, pretty it dark was story. Okay. Yeah. No, the overall movie itself, it um, definitely has um, that. Got to make the sequel much bigger than the first one, and they get some weird shit going. I told, yeah. like, I remembered the movie for the most part, particularly the the Ted's dead hell stuff but i did not remember those aliens at all station, station? yeah I, yeah that's I all i remembered from this 
Didn't yeah, they that. just kept they just kept yelling Sturger. Yeah, and the thing I didn't understand is people were yelling station before they even showed up. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I wonder if that was like bad editing or if that was supposed to be like after or I don't know. That was strange. Funny that you ask. Ooh. Do it, Greg. Drop some knowledge yeah. on them. Station was a typo. They wrote this movie in six days drunk. And right. there was a sequ- there was a scene that was uh, we deleted a scene that you know at the beginning of the little thing it said uh, introduction police station they deleted it and accidentally left the word station there so they were so crazily drunk they started saying station 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 in a tinny Mar- Martian voice and they were and they decided to make it a thing in the movie that it was like you know bogus or cool or whatever like excellent and because uh, it became that thing early on in the movie the the theory or the way they wrote it in was that the aliens or the uh, god refers to the aliens as station because god is under the impression that station means cool um so that's that's where this is from them directly not from me so like that's why the aliens became named station yeah Um, god is trying to be that weird uh that dad that's trying to be cool pretty much yes Okay. Don't yeah, write so that, movies when you're uh, heavily intoxicated. Yeah. yeah. So that that is where station. So stay. I always thought or wondered was like is station like a thing in California that people say? It, it, it didn't catch on. It was well, it wasn't a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this movie, like I said, not going too deep into the plot because you would have seen it if you want to. Uh, the original. thought for this movie was it was supposed to be an English class, basically the same idea as the first movie. And they were going to go into historical books, you know, bring back Shakespeare and maybe Romeo and Juliet. Like, Mm -hmm. but of course that wouldn't make sense because, you know, books, fake characters. Right. Um, So the, so the writers were like, no, we're going to, let's just kill Bill and Ted and send them to hell. And they went to Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter, and they were like, "Which we have these two ideas. Which one do you guys like?" And they said, "Yeah, screw that first idea. Let's let's go to hell." So they went to the studio and said, "It's going to be Bill and Ted goes to hell." And they're like, "Yeah, let's not call it that." But they did all the way up until it was released, which we discussed in the trivia. Um, and it's basically that, you know, the the uh, what was he, the evil gym teacher or something? Is that what? What uh, Denomalus was? No, former former teacher. I thought I didn't. He was, think a, he, was a, he was a gym teacher who was like the the sit up champion of the future. No, um, I didn't. He was the sit up champion, but I didn't think that I didn't think that that was what he taught. I thought that was mm. just something in addition to. Oh, maybe I don't know. I, he was uh, George Car- uh, Rufus's uh, teacher that wanted to kill Bill and Ted for whatever reason, and. Sends back the evil Bill and Ted robots and just Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves just get to have fun with that. And it's it's a fun little thing with the the robot faces. That's probably where all the budget went <laughs> and pulling open their chest to show like the the interior parts. Yeah. They the, look- uh, uh, <laughs> uh, when they pulled their masks off and they were kind of dangling, um, those masks actually look looked better in my opinion than the ones in uh, the mission impossible series. Yeah. Where they like, they pull, they show the mask like printing and stuff and then they pull them over their, their heads and then they cut and then they're 
perfectly wearing that mask, you're like, oh, come on. No. Mm-hmm. But these ones, when they pull them off, you're like, oh, okay, I can see that. Yeah, they do look, they, they do look really good. And they, um, the, with their, their like robotic in, inner parts, it reminded me of like Fakor or something from He-Man. Is that what the, mm-hmm. the robot mm-hmm. He-Man was mm-hmm. with like the chest? <laughs> I was like, oh, it's kind of cool. Uh, and so, of course, they, the robots are successful. They kill Bill and Ted. They take their place. They do terrible things, like Rob said earlier, try to kill cats, do all that stuff. Um, Bill and Ted have to face their fears. Yeah. And one of the scenes that I absolutely remembered was Grandma. <laughs> Which mm. was so gross. Yes, a little oh, nasty. <laughs> like, hair. Yeah, it was like a like one of those stills from Ren and Stimpy. Yes. That were super yep. detailed. Maybe there was a little bit happening, but it was like that, but moving. Yep. And the creepy ass Easter bunny. Those were <laughs> Yeah. Even when I saw it this time around, when they did the when they did the whole grandma thing, and they've got the scene where she like leans forward, and you can see the hair hanging mm-hmm. down in front of her mouth. I was like, Oh, oh, yeah. oh no, <laughs> grandma! No, it is Alex Winter. I think. Well, it is Alex Winter. Yeah, yeah. Playing grandma. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's so gross. They have to face their fears. You know, face the face that face military school face uh, the Easter Bunny, as you said. And then, of course, they get to uh, the Dude, Grim we Reaper. Gotta play the Reaper. Yeah, I was actually sort of Im- kind of impressed with the, the, this the hell set. It, it was pretty big set pieces, the big like demon face that they climb up and stuff. And I forgot about that part completely. I'm like, man, that's that took some budget for. It, it was pretty rad. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I was hoping that they would have the devil like. Be like, yeah, dude, metal, like a Tenacious D video or something. But, right? Yeah. I, I did not remember much of this movie at all. <laughs> but, of course, they do run into uh, the uh, the Czechoslovakian Grim Reaper. Yes. Played by Williams. William Sandler. <laughs> and uh, he was just great, you know, for a person that has done a lot of serious roles to see him just really get into it and have some fun. He, he ad libbed a lot in this, apparently uh, like the, the see you soon thing with the cigarette. Like that was ad lib. Oh, that was amazing. That was, mm-hmm. uh, that was kind of, in my opinion, like forward, forward thinking. Um, yeah. it, it was very much accepted that people just smoke cigarettes everywhere, even though people knew, but he was like, man, I'll see you soon. Uh, that was, that was pretty great. Mm hmm. And of course, they uh, Bill and Ted being Bill and Ted, they they do give Death a wedgie, which of course in their world is a Melvin. Oh, <laughs> uh, Melvin! I had never heard that term Melvin until that movie. Did you? And see, no, I, I had neither. So. But I always thought that a Melvin was a reverse wedgie. I thought a Melvin was a front sided wedgie. They? I I thought Melvin. Well, no, that's what I'm saying, and that's why, I, or at least that's what I always understood it to be. <laughs> oh yeah, same here. Uh, and now is let's see, we're looking it up. Uh, another. Google. Another thing that didn't uh, survive was the uh, the hardware store mentioned in the movie, uh, Builder's Emporium, folded uh, not because of this movie, but shortly after the movie came out. Actually, mm. uh, Melvin is a frontal wedgie. Yeah. Yep. Told you. Well, this this is a interesting. This is a very interesting definition. A frontal wedgie instead of underpants being up your butt crack, they ride up into the lo- the labia. Oh, 
Mm. That is, I believe, the first time we've ever said labia on the podcast. Won't be the last. Yeah. Probably. Probably will be. I mean, I've done it twice now. Labia. There you go. There's three. Uh, they they did a the, really good the, Deftones song. They did the Melvining at uh, Vasquez Rocks Natural Park, which is basically this the location of every single uh, Star Trek uh, alien planet in the original TV show. <laughs> and and they actually show it to you. Yep. And the um, arena epi- the arena episode of Star Trek, which Rob do the song. The the, the, Star wait, Trek. the one with where where Spock and Kirk were fighting, right? Yeah. Or yeah, that's that's where uh, where Death got got a Melvin given to him. <laughs> that is exactly I can't where hit that high note anymore. <laughs> that's where Death got the Melvin, and it was on purpose. Valiant attempt. Yes. Uh, one other little thing here that I I, I have been pointing out. It's very weird, our stream of movies that we were watching, how they always seem to have some connection to the one before. I did this, talked about this earlier, but Max von Sydow, of course, was in The Seventh Seal, and there was a Seventh Seal reference um, in this movie. And, of course, uh, he, he was uh, Ming the Merciless. But there's another reference to another movie we watched recently in the future classroom. Did that set look familiar, Rob? When they, you know, when they show the future and the kids are learning the, about Bill and Ted, in the very beginning. Yep. Demolition Man. Nope, that was mostly a set from Mom and Dad Save the World. Oh, mm-hmm. was it really? Yep. Yep. That's awesome. The roof, at least. <laughs> Movie we covered a couple weeks ago, or about a month ago. You're so, welcome. Yeah. Right. Uh. Let's see here. So what else What else do you guys got to say about Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? Which we clearly did not like as much as the first one, although it wasn't too bad for a sequel. Um, I I noticed at the end that they kind of broke their own rule. How so? As, as far as, you know, when they when they decided that it was... And, and I never really understood it. And I think it was probably just a bad rule in in the first movie but because they made a big deal out of it the 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 time clock the clock in san dimas was always correct and that ted had to wind his watch and everything like that Mm -hmm. and blah 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 but then they then they did the whole thing at the end of that movie where they just went three years or you know forever into the future and then came back and it's like well i i mean that kind of makes sense as far as the time travel is concerned but why was it such an issue in the first movie? Cause they had to get back. They had to watch the time cause they had to get back before the thing happened. And it's like, you've got a effing time machine. Why can't you just go back and do it? Yeah. The ending was interesting in general. I think this was the one where Primus showed up, right? Yeah. There was, you, you said Bill and Ted excellent adventure where Primus showed up at this one at the end of the battle of the bands. Oh, um, right. Yes. Yes. You yeah. Correct. So, which is fine. Cause I've been so Bill and Tedded out that, it took me a while to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the, sorry. The end sequence. Able. There was just a lot going on in that end sequence, which it was like they were just piling things on with like Pam Greer appearing, you know, and unzipping herself and being Rufus and like the aliens mm-hmm. and the band being made up of Death and Two and Station and you know the good robots, and, yeah, princesses, good robots, bad robots, everything. So, but it was really cool seeing Primus. Um, you know, back then, not a lot of people knew who Primus was, other than the people that like were 
majorly into watching uh, Headbangers Ball or 120 Minutes, you know? Yeah, people who were majorly into Primus at that time still are and are, uh, yeah. They're weird. Very weird. Yep. So, uh, do anyone want to, do we want to close out Bill and Ted's bogus journey before we get into our cavalcade of historical questions here? Anyone else want to say anything about Bill and Ted's bogus journey? It was okay. It was by far, uh, inferior to the original. It, it didn't necessarily have the same vibe that the original did that I loved so much. Um, in fact, I could I could almost completely do without this movie and just jump right to the third movie, except for the whole uh, the whole death includence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And uh, Jimmy? No, that's about it. I mean, watch it to to uh, to understand where where the character death comes from. So watch it to be a completist. Yeah, uh, I lo- yeah. I loved, of course, the soundtrack a bunch of a bunch of times. Um, yeah, just to, I was going to talk about this. And I didn't. But since I'm mentioning it now, uh, the soundtrack of this from the list of bands that no one's heard of before. Uh, it went from that to Slaughter. And these are big names back then. Slaughter, Winger, Kiss, Richie Kotzen, who was went on, who was actually right after this became the guitarist for Poison. Steve Vai, Faith No More, Primus, King's X and Love on Ice. Um, of course, the big names being Kiss and Faith No More. Right. Um, well, but also that being said, you don't need to watch the movie to appreciate the soundtrack. No, I'm just saying that that was one of my favorite things, though, but mm-hmm. um, about it. And I, it's one of those movies where I definitely like the soundtrack better than the movie, but it has the occasional bit here and there, like particularly the ghost Bill and Ted standing above their bodies and just little tiny bits here and there that made it worth it. That makes it worth watching it again. Um, I actually had this movie for a very long time because they gave it away glued to Pizza Hut boxes. For a it while. was that good. It was in a little cardboard sleeve, so I had this movie for a while. I have no nice. idea where that version of it went, but I, that's you had to buy a certain you had to buy a certain amount of Pizza Hut to get it. So wow, yeah. Anyway, guys, if you are fans of eighties and nineties and rock and heavy metal and comedies and goofy duos and Bill and Ted in general, you should see this movie. Now it's time for a question. Yeah, and maybe I, maybe I screwed up. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. It's been a very long, busy week. But my thought for the question this week, I, was, I didn't really want to do the the famous stoner duos or the best time travel movies because I, you know, it's been done, you know, stuff like that. So what I wanted to talk about is if you, you know, if you could Bill and Ted a presentation, if you could go back in time and pull people out of time. To help you with the presentation, who would it be? Now, the reason why I added some stuff on there is I didn't want to hear the same five people. I, I added more obscure people. So people you might not know everything about, because we already know almost everything about Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, uh, Hitler. You know, all we know way too much about some of these people. I wanted the, the, the obscure people. And to do this, um, I'm going to... St- I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach. I actually contacted some friends All right. that are either historians or history professors or Lies. history teachers. You don't have any friends. Well, I just bothered random strangers that like history. Okay. Oh, okay. I, that I believe. Gotcha. <laughs> and 
this is this is interesting, but this person actually requested that I not say their name. But this person is a presidential historian and has written books, actually has a book coming out not uh, about the presidency, I believe, in the very near future, the vice presidency in the very near future. Uh, So he gave a list. He, for the most part, stayed on task here. Uh, So there's people you'll know their names. You don't know anything about them. Uh, His number five, James Garfield, the uh, short lived president. Uh, he was basically a genius. He was, but he was assassinated. No one ever saw what he could do with the presidency. Uh, became McKinley, of course. Uh, he could actually write simultaneously Greek with one hand and Latin with the other. His wow. brain was that wired. Um, let's see. Uh, Edith Wilson, uh, the wife of President Wilson, he had a President Wilson had a stroke, and Edith Wilson was technically no one knew it, but she was actually acting president after he had the stroke. So what she did at that time period was not well known because she couldn't come out and say it basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fox Connor, coolest name ever, by the way, uh, the man one. who made Eisenhower. Uh, he was an operations officer for the U S expeditionary forces in world war one. And he mentored officers in world war two, basically helping us win world war two or win our portion of world war two. Um, he went on to basically write the rules of war for democracy and he passed these down to Eisenhower and Marshall, who, um, basically both of them incorporated it, uh, never fight unless you have to never fight alone and never fight for long. So he was very smart military mind. Uh, Pope John Paul, the 23rd, he was an Italian Pope. Uh, he, this is his number two had very plain views on equality. He was canonized as a saint in April of 2014, so very recently, but he is known as wait, the good pope. Wait a, wait a minute. Pope John Paul the 23rd? Uh, pope John the 23rd. Oh, okay. Paul. You said John Paul, and I'm like, wait a minute. I remember Pope John Paul II. How could there be a 23rd? Okay. I will have to look at the edit and see if I actually said John Paul. I don't think I did, but if I did, whoops. Number one, Ken Heckler. Number one, Ken Heckler. I did not know this name. I would like to see a book from this person. Now, my friend actually is friends with him or was friends with him. He died, I believe, at the age of 102 or 103, very uh, fairly recently. He was he fought in World War II. He helped chronicle the liberation of France, the 1944 Normandy invasion, the Battle of the Bulge, and the entrance into Nazi Germany. So he was there. He ended up becoming an assistant to Truman. He was part of the fact-finding for the Nuremberg trials. He was the only member of Congress that marched with Martin Luther King. Uh, he was a Democratic representative from West Virginia, which is saying quite a bit, considering. Um, and he um, he vote, was able to vote for the Civil Rights Bill, and he um, voted to put caps on coal dust and pollution. Still got voted in in West Virginia after doing that. So that says a lot. Um, and uh, he yeah, there's just a long list of stuff, which I won't get into, but he was remarkably – he was at Selma. He was – Crazy cool dude, and he uh, taught some. He actually uh, stepped in and taught some of my friends' classes <laughs> with after doing all of that stuff. So that was the first one. That was uh, from the presidential side of things. Um, do you guys want to jump in with anybody's uh, lists or your own lists? All right. Well, you know what? We'll switch things up. I'll go. Um, I I came at this from the perspective of I wanted to have an entertaining report, and they. They may not be 
they may not be completely unknown, but it's there's there's a lot of stuff that you know. Anyway, I'll start at number five with a guy by the name of Michael Collins. Do you know who that is? I know there's a movie about him. Oh, you do? I've seen that movie. I did not know his name because he's kind of Mr. Irrelevant in history. And I kind of picture him being that guy that's all bent out of shape about being Mr. Irrelevant. And I thought it would be hilarious in my in my report. Wait, is it thought that isn't there a movie called Michael Collins? Oh, yeah. No, not that movie. Oh, OK. Sorry. Michael Collins. Michael Collins was the third member of the team that went to the moon. The guy who stayed in the ship <laughs> and orbited the moon while uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin went down to the service. The, the Michael Collins I was talking about, I think, was like an Irish freedom fighter or something. So I figured. Yeah. I think it was Liam Neeson in that movie, wasn't yeah, it? Yes, yes, it was. Nice. Yeah. That's funny. So Michael Collins would be my number five, kind of for the comedy relief. At number four, uh, I've got to have a scientist in there. Uh, I'll put. Al Hazen, okay. also known as Ptolemy II. Okay. Founder of geometric uh, optics, also the founder of the scientific method. Ooh. And got people to sway it to, to turn away from the stranglehold that uh, religion had on. I, I like I this think. person already. Yeah. So. Until he was, you know, inevitably murdered by the church. Probably. Yeah. That's my number four. My number three will be Ignaz Semmelweis. He'll be my doctor. Ignaz Semmelweis. He's the one who came up with the idea of washing your hands before, you know, doing surgery, delivering babies, because, you know, infection was a thing and people died from infection and he saved a lot of lives. But he'd be my doctor. My my number two, um, you got to have some kind of war guy in there. And uh, some kind of general or something, and I would include Emperor Aurelian. Ooh, he actually only ruled Rome for about five years, but he essentially saved the Roman Empire. Uh, he reformed he reformed the monetary system. He restored the Roman Empire to what it was. It was it was on its way out. It was crumbling, and there there are some that credit him with delaying the start of the Dark Ages, and also. Also lessening the blow, so to speak, that okay. the Dark Ages performed on Europe, that the Dark Ages had on Europe. Very nice. So he's my number two. But my number one, and I, I talked with this, I talked with Jimmy about this. He didn't like my choice, but I'm putting it in anyway. It's Confucius. You gotta have a philosopher in there somewhere. And you say, Well, I don't want anybody who's famous. Greg, tell me something about Confucius other than the fact that he was a Chinese philosopher. He was a uh, he say things. It's always yeah. Confucius say something, and it's usually uh, not accurate. He's I, he's often quoted, but no, Confucius but say you will drop very, your phone. Very few you're... people really know a whole lot about Confucius. Correct. Um, and his his philosophy was, and I love his philosophy, but his philosophy kind of boiled down to don't don't be an asshole. And um, I, I think it, at one point he was he was um, appointed to the post of minister of crime. And he actually significantly decreased the crime rate in the city that he was posted at. Um, he inevitably, he eventually was 
was exiled and he wandered around for several years, came back, but he had, he had all of these teachings and started writing the stuff down and people started following his teachings. He is actually, his family tree is the longest recorded family tree in current history. Huh. They've been, they've been tracking his family tree and it's currently, uh, I think the last I saw was at 83 generations. I don't know if there were any, any new births or anything like that, but it's at 83 generations. And I actually read something kind of funny that th- at one point they were going to do, they, they were going to do like DNA testing on his family. And then realized that, that it was far more downside than upside. Because right. it's, it'd be too many. Well, no, it's become such a cultural thing that for people to find out that they're not really related to him, it would kind of be a blow to, you know, the whole mystique of the Confucius family, so to speak. So Uh it's such a part of their culture, or at least that's that's what the reason one of the reasons it was given. So nice. Confucius is my number one with a honorable mention of Hedy Lamar. Ooh, the uh, actress that was a code breaker, right? Not Codebreaker. They came up with the idea for um, uh, basically security on their on their radios. They had oh, the yeah. idea for pre-programming um, radio station changes on the okay. dial so that if somebody was listening in, they'd only get snippets of the conversation. They wouldn't actually get the whole thing, oh, okay. what was that, which was actually then used in like modern day Wi-Fi for security and like Wi-Fi and um, military communications and cell phones. Oh, okay. Nice. So Kerwin set in a list and uh, it's a good one. Actually, that's Give funny. it to me, Kerwin. Uh, Kerwin has, uh, I believe this is in order, Cleisthenes, born to an Athenian family in 570 BC, became the first ruler to start a democracy with voting, divided localities, and a random selection to fill government positions like a jury pool. Uh, Edith Wilson, which I actually said too, which uh, the other person said, uh, when her husband, President Woodrow Wilson, had a stroke, she made all presidential decisions for over a year, mostly in secret. Percy Julian. He uh, pioneered the drug industry by developing chemical synthesis of certain hormones and laying the groundwork for the modern steroid, all while being a black doctor in the Jim Crow era, and he was inducted into the National Academy of Sciences. Oh, look at this. Hedy Lamar. Everyone knows her, knows her as an actress, but she devoted her life to science, working to create a spread spectrum technology, which was a precursor to Wi-Fi, as you said. Locusta, or Locusta, the first known serial killer in the first century AD, was hired by two different emperors to kill someone and then pardoned for her previous crimes as payment, which is a great lead in to mine. I kind of, the way I wrote this question, I didn't realize that you guys were going to come up with this, which are excellent. So I actually had, when someone did not get back to me with a list, I did the top five people you absolutely would not want to do a presentation with uh, to Bill and Ted. So my, the top five people I would not want to bring back. Number five, Elizabeth Bathory. Uh, she is known as the mm. blood. She is known as the blood countess. She was a, from a prestigious hung, Hungarian family and really, really enjoyed murdering young girls and bathing in their blood. Yes. Yeah. Jillis uh, de race. 14, I'm, I'm not going to be able to pronounce any of these people right, but 1404 to 1440, uh, he was a Breton knight. He fought alongside Joan of Arc. But you know what he also liked really doing as a hobby? Raping women? No, killing children. 
Oh. Uh, 80 Dick. to 200 peasant children. He dabbled in the occult and he would sacrifice them. They would come to his door to ask for, you know, money, peasant, peasant children coming for money. And he would sacrifice them to Satan. Uh, he, they speculate he actually killed up to 600, but, um, he would also then pleasure himself in the remains. Ew. Yeah. So he was disturbing. He probably should be a little higher up. <laughs> uh, Robespierre, another French guy. There's something wrong with the French. Uh, French lawyer, of course, you know the name, politician. He gave lots of speeches about virtue and being patriotic and then killed hundreds of civilians without trial using his favorite tool, the guillotine in the French Revolution. Mm. Uh, Timor, we're going to uh, an Asian conqueror who he uh, when he would take over a very various towns, he would get all of the soldiers and civilians together and force them to jump to their deaths uh, off of cliffs. Over 200,000 soldiers he killed uh, that way. Uh, beheaded civilians from Aleppo, uh, Ifshan, Tikrit, and Baghdad. And he also liked building towers of human skulls, which is kind of metal except for the fact that he's a douche canoe. And uh, number one, I did not realize this was a real thing. Did you know the thuggies were like a real thing from Indiana Jones? <laughs> No, the thuggies like in Indiana Jones and the uh, like the like the the second Indiana Jones where they were those guys that were like the black turbans and they're the with Temple the Red of Doom. Yeah, that was the a real. Kalima? Yeah, that was a real cult. Kalima. Thug Bayram. 1765 to 1840. He was an Indian cult leader that killed 931 people in uh, Evad, India. The actual the English word thug is actually based on his name. He had a gang called the Thuggy Gang, and they would ritualistically kill villain kill victims via strangulation. So he uh it's an Indian cult. I didn't I knew nothing about him. Hmm. So that, so Jimmy, did you have a list? Yes, I do, actually. Number five, Pliny the Younger the man responsible for writing letters who historians have extracted the information about the eruption at Mount Vesuvius from uh, providing us with an account of what actually happened. Number four, legendary guitar player Chuck Schuldner, credited as the godfather of death metal. Um, very often actually from... Florida. Number three, Jerry Lawson, who is the uh, brain behind the very first uh, video game console and uh, without whom we might not have uh, consoles. A true pioneer. Number two, Ray Harryhausen, a pioneer of special effects, visual effects, stop motion. Uh, you've seen his work. Um, he is, he is, uh, very influential in, in regards to, uh, what Greg and myself do. Number one, also legendary guitar player, Robert Johnson, who, if you have ever heard the terms crossroads and selling your soul to the devil uttered in the same breath, uh, you are, you're probably hearing about Robert Johnson absolutely gifted guitar player and mysterious circumstances surrounding his death and how he got so good at guitar. So uh, if you haven't seen the um, documentary on Netflix, definitely check it out. 
I have also got a list from Matt, a.k.a. Jubals. His number five is going to be Gustavus Adolphus, the king of Sweden and father of modern warfare. I'm sure he's not talking about the game here. Number two, Chuck Berry, father of rock and roll. Great pick, sir. Number three, William Higginbottom created the first video game. His number two is William Webb Ellis, the founder of rugby, which eventually led to uh, the creation of American football. And his number one, no surprise to any of us that know him, is Rob Liefeld, the creator of Deadpool. Thank you so much for submitting your list, sir. I see you'd ask you'd like to see Robert Johnson to ask if he's got the uh, if he really did the crossroad thing. Yeah. Ray Harryhausen stop motion. Nice. And one more list. This is from a this is from another historian. Uh, Omar, he's been on the show before. He is a teacher and a historian, an amateur historian. Uh, he picked Alan Lomax, who uh, this is ties into yours, Jimmy. He went around the, the world recording music in the early and mid 20th century. Without him, we would not know anything about Robert Johnson, Woody Guthrie, Pete Seeger, Lead Belly, and, well, Muddy Waters we would have because he lived for a while. But And Muddy Waters, he was the one that recorded them for the first time and you know, brought their stuff out of the South. Uh, he did pick Isaac Newton because you only know him for his gravity stuff, but he was actually a very weird antisocial person that basically if you weren't a genius, he would not talk to you. <laughs> so he would not be talking to us. Uh, Peter the Great of Russia, uh, he basically changed Russia in a major, major ways. He had a very interesting life and he didn't have to do anything because he was a czar, but he was very hands-on in every aspect of change in Russia life, Russian life. Um. Now, these, here's where he kind of missed the boat on the um, unknown things. He picked George Washington just to ask about all of the badass things George Washington has done at number two. And Marcus Aurelius, again, a lot of people know him, but not a lot of people know what he did. He was the head of the Roman Empire, but Ryan himself daily that he was just a man and had his, his greatest duty was to work hard and do the right thing. And he lived through a pandemic that lasted 15 years. Mm, God, I hope ours didn't last 15 years. No, that is not happening. <laughs> So that was our top five list. Lots of history there. And uh, Jimmy, let's t take us out of here next week. What you got? Well, Greg, in honor of the release of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater remaster for Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2, I decided it's a good time to see if the movie Gleaming the Cube is actually any good. We have a Patreon. We have patrons. They get to talk to us on Discord and suggest things and pick lists for just $5 a month. They have early access to the movie we're reviewing. They know what it is, at least. Uh, and if we can find it for where it's able to be watched, we let them know where it's going to be. Early access to the top five list so they can join in. They get a birthday episode. So if you are interested, please check us out on patreon.com slash me 5 podcast. If you listen to side A, you know how to get in touch with us. Email us directly at give5podcast at gmail.com. Check out our Patreon. Check out our Instagram and Twitter handle at give5pod. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning, good afternoon, and save some pickles for Mr. Tickles.
Jimmy looks so enthused. <laughs> do you want to? Jimmy, you want to do your list? No. <laughs> okay. 